Inbreeding in dairy herds can give high hidden costs, but actually also some benefits. What is good and bad inbreeding in your herd? What do you need to look out for to ensure a healthy and sustainable dairy cattle production? To help give us the best advice on how to manage inbreeding, I've invited two experts to join me on the show today. Saya Tinhunen, PhD student and breeding specialist at Viking Genetics, with us online today from Norway, and Peter Larsen, product manager for Viking Jersey at Viking Genetics. This is the Breedcast produced by Viking Genetics. I'm your host, Hilke Biesma. Hi, Saya and Peter. Thanks for uh, being with us today. Hi. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah. Hi. Thanks. Saya, let's kick things off by getting clear. What is inbreeding? Well, in the simple terms, uh, inbreeding is mating between animals who share common ancestor. So it is uh, mating between close relatives. What What are the typical levels of inbreeding in, let's say, dairy and beef, beef breeds? Well, first of all, we need to think about what is inbreeding, how we measure it, because we talk about inbreeding coefficient, uh, which is actually a probability calculation, and this calculates gets uh, calculation gets more accurate, uh, more information you have. And normally we calculate it from the pedigree information, but gives us a little bit different estimation depending on what kind of data we have. So more generations on the pedigree data we have, more accurate probability calculation we get from the inbreeding coefficient. And this is the why we cannot really compare the different levels between different populations or say which level of inbreeding might be more harmful than the other because we use different uh, uh, level of information on different populations and instead of the level of inbreeding we should more focus on looking how fast inbreeding is increasing in our populations all right so but there is difference between breeds then saya yes uh, different breeds have a different uh, genetic loads and there is also different uh, types of population structures uh, for example in viking uh, genetic breeds uh, the uh, the viking red is very outcrossed it's very heterozygote breed so their inbreeding level is uh, very low compared to the holstein or jersey all right so Inbreeding normally is um, connected to a negative thing, and, and when does it really become a problem? Well, the recent studies have been showing with the, what they have been doing with Holstein is that it's the more recent inbreeding when we look on the three or five generations of pedigree that that's the more harmful one. So this can cause um, increased level of uh, mastitis or longer calving times. And uh, then the long-term inbreeding seems to have more neutral or even positive effect on the populations because we have actively breeding, been breeding against the harmful uh, traits that come from, for example, Example in brain depression. All right, Peter, you've worked with uh, cattle breeding for for many years, and and you're a senior breeding manager uh, at Viking Genetics at this point. What do you most often hear when you talk to farmers? What what are the problems with inbreeding? 
When talking to uh, farmers from Nordic countries, from the Viking genetics countries, we normally do not have a lot of complaints or uh, questions about inbreeding levels or effects of that. We have very good management tools in uh, our home market, uh, so it's easier to handle these uh, uh, problems that could arise from inbreeding. But as uh, Saya mentions, uh, different populations. When we work abroad, we often meet uh, problems related to inbreeding and the problems that can be traced back to uh, inbreeding depression. And um, that's mainly because they do not have the same management tools as what we have. All right. So so when you mentioned that they have problems, what what are the signs with of that? Signs would normally be uh, infertility, uh, lower health, uh, that the livability of the cows is uh, not as good and, and that they are not as uh, strong, uh, healthy, long-living as uh, if you were taking this into account. I know that when when we spoke about this uh, earlier, Peter, you you mentioned that there is no such thing as good inbreeding. But but what can you explain a bit? What is good inbreeding and what is bad inbreeding? Well, uh, of course, there are goods and bads in, in both. And uh, the good parts of inbreeding can be that you can make inbred lines and then cross them and uh, um, have these uh, positive effects of heterosis. And in other species, uh, if you're breeding uh, birds for, for the color of the birds, of course, you should do that, make these inbred lines and, and make beautiful birds out of it. But that's not the case in cattle breeding. Um, here you need to, to focus on the traits that makes a good result, end result for you as a farmer. Uh, but also in some monogenetic traits, it can actually be beneficial to do a little inbreeding. Yeah, so Saya, you mentioned that as well when we talked about that. Some some of the benefits, and, and you mentioned some some benefits as well. How do you see the benefits of of inbreeding? Well, there is in the genome when we look on the animal, there is some areas what we want to have uh, as a homozygous. For example, uh, the monogenous um, genes which are connected to kappa caseins or poldness, because we would like to have those as a homozygous in the, in the animal. So that means basically that they are they are inbred on that area but uh yeah it's um it's more about this uh, getting focus on and knowledge knowledge about which areas we actually want to have outcrossed or more heterosis heterosis and which we want to have more homozygote all right so saya you've studied uh, inbreeding for for a number of years and you're working on your phd uh, on the matter as well What are the biggest costs of inbreeding for the farmers? Uh, well, the, so far, what we have, uh, there have been studies uh, about the cost of inbreeding, and uh, that's also area where I'm going to be working. That mostly there is the cost from this uh, close inbreeding, what is the five to six generations, and uh, there are more about the uh, increased level of mastitis or longer calving times and. Uh, So it means that you get more cost for because you need to treat for the mastitis, so you need more antibiotics, and it takes you a longer time to get a replacement cow, for example, or it's basically inbreeding tradition is shown on all, all things related to reproduction. So it also affects milk yield and how well the cow can produce offspring.
So inbreeding needs to be managed carefully and in order to keep your herd healthy and productive. Now we're going to look at some of the smart ways to manage inbreeding and actually benefit from it. Peter, when a farmer tells you that he's struggling with inbreeding in his herd, um, what are the first things that you recommend that he looks at? But the first thing I recommend is to to dig into the pedigrees that uh, are in the animals of the of his herd. Uh, is this a matter of um, close relationship between uh, the the animals in the pedigrees? Is it a matter of the breeding strategy that this farmer has been using? And so it's a, a matter of. Um, identifying wh- where the problem comes from, if it really is related to inbreeding or if it's related to something else. Most often it's not related to inbreeding, uh, but in some cases it can be if he has not been making use of these management tools that he could have. Yeah. So what can a farmer do on a day-to-day basis then? Well, a uh, mating program, program is for sure what we will recommend. Uh, to all uh, farmers uh, that uh, that are doing a mating program, uh, it uh, will help him uh, in his uh, choice of bull, in his choice of strategy. But he can also make use of um, crossbreeding uh, to cross uh, different breeds. Uh, we have some crossbreed uh, breeding concepts that we recommend: Procross and Golden Cross, a three breed rotational crossbreeding program. But another example is the reds. Uh, Sire mentioned the reds earlier. Um, Wagon red is a, a concept where we have merged the red breeds in Finland, Sweden, and Denmark. And uh, for that reason, we have uh, made use of bulls that are cl- not that close related, so kind of an outcross strategy. So um, mixed breeds will uh, lower the risk of inbreeding and inbreeding effects. Yeah. So and and with crossbreeding, you'd get the opposite of of inbreeding, which is uh, heterosis. So basically, you get the the opposite effect uh, and increasing the fertility, health, and all of these things. Yes. Um, Sai, what what's preventing farmers from managing inbreeding in a good way? Well, I think in for a long time it has been the lack of knowledge because. Uh, it's not that far away in the past that the farmers or even uh, breeders were educated that they need to do line breeding to these same good sires to get a good offspring. So I remember like uh, in the early 2000s that people were still saying that you need to have the same sire like two or three times in three generation pedigree to get a good offspring. So that is actually quite a lot. And we have gone much forward from that because, well, inbreeding uh, depression, inbreeding or inbreeding depression is not a new thing even darwin talked about it uh, in the evolution in the old uh, original species book and that was published in the 1800s and the inbreeding coefficient actually has a uh, hundred years uh, anniversary this year so it is an old concept but we kind of forgot it for a long time because you get fast benefits from uh, doing actually line breeding because you are lying to the same good individuals. So you, you get short-term uh, short-term benefits from it. And But it's but it's short-sighted, so to say. Yes, yes, because these days we know that it's also have this high cost from inbreeding depression. So you can get short benefits for a few years or a few generations, but then it kind of starts to collapse uh, because inbreeding depression starts to cost you more. Peter, 
what what's your take on that and and as a jersey expert what 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 well, do you think well so is right uh, earlier when we did not have uh, management tools like the wick made uh, mating plan programs um we did line breeding uh in the jersey breed Uh, we actually have benefited from line-bred populations in New Zealand, in uh, Canada, in the US, in Denmark, and uh, crossed those line-bred populations and benefited from a little bit of heterosis. Um, and uh, that there, there was some uh, diversity in those different populations. It's still there. It's not as much as it was earlier. Uh, but uh, we still benefit from it that we can find our cross, we can maintain the high diversity in the Jersey breed. And we do have a full episode on the Viking Jersey. If you're interested in that, pop over to the uh, Breedcast page, breedcast.com, and learn more. We have a full episode on Jersey cows with uh, with Peter here. Peter, another question is, what what examples have you seen in terms of turning around inbreeding in a herd? I've not seen that many in home market. I've seen it abroad, um, as mentioned be before, those having not had access to a uh, mating program, mating plan program. Uh, and uh, those farmers have, some of them uh, had the effect uh, of uh, inbreeding in the sense of having uh, defect calves. They have had um, uh, abortions, early abortions, And uh, when then introducing a mating program, starting to mix the the different pedigrees or new pedigrees in an, in another way, then you have changed the the um, results of the breeding strategy and avoided these negative effects. So both on herd level uh, for the farmer, but also in our breeding of uh, heifers and bulls for next generation. We have very good tools to avoid inbreeding, so we ensure that the genetics that we make available will not lead to inbreeding. So I guess data then in that perspective is is extremely important. Yes, it's very, very important and will be um, even more important uh, under our conditions where we have good help of all the farmers, veterinarians, all related to, to dairy cattle breeding. Uh, they are registering and they're registering all details and um, it enables us to make breeding values for all health traits, all uh, traits related to fertility, sustainability, and uh, that leads to a more secure breeding and less worries about inbreeding. Yeah, and I guess we're quite unique in that sense uh, in the Nordic countries that we gather everything into one pot, so to say, or into one database where where we have everything and then the pedigrees of course also uh, in that regard yeah sure it's very uni unique saya how do i select the right genetics to manage inbreeding and a healthy herd in general well uh, as peter mentioned that we have the different tools for our customers for example the vicmate and that actually helps you to sell, um, control the inbreeding in your herd because it gives you can give it a level of inbreeding what you accept and uh, level of uh, increase of inbreeding should not go further than one person per generation so that's reason for example we look when we look on the pedigree and we have like four generations of pedigree then we would put a limitation for the mating that it cannot uh, be higher than four person because then you spread the four person into these generations it will be less per generation than one person but uh, that's uh, 
it's uh, we have these tools which help us. It also we made a, uh, has a tool for finding good genetics uh, from the breeding values. So it creates this balance between getting high breeding values and also controlling the inbreeding. So, Saya, tell us about the EVET tool. Well, EVET tool is what we use uh, when we select uh, bulls or heifers to the Viking genetics breeding program, and it is based on optimal contribution selection, uh, where we select the best animals from group co-ancestry. So it's selecting the animals based on their uh, pedigree information and also the genomic breeding values. So we want to maximize our genetic gain while we um, uh, decrease the inbreeding on our animals or control the inbreeding is better to say. Yeah, because inbreeding can only be controlled, basically. You're never going to get rid of it. Yes, in a closed population, uh, you will always have inbreeding because uh, your longer you go, more related your animals will be because you are just mixing the closed population. Uh, one option is if you want to decrease the inbreeding is actually to get outcrossed to different breed or a different breed population. For example, I use once again Jersey as an example, but uh, they have, for example, the American population is quite... Uh, different from pedigrees, so they can be used as to decrease uh, relatedness uh, in our Danish jerseys, for example. Yeah, because Peter, the the Jersey breed is fairly is a fairly small breed. What What's your take on that, genetic gain and inbreeding? Well, it's something that we put a lot of emphasis on. We focus on it all the time in the, the breeding program uh, using uh, Eva, like um, as I just mentioned. Uh, but there... Um, um we we with the programs with the tools that we have we can handle uh the inbreeding level and keep it low so uh farmers in nordic countries they use viking jersey bulls on viking jersey on viking jersey on viking jersey in some other countries you are recommended not to use bulls from same population two generations in a row to avoid inbreeding but if you have the management uh, management tools that the um, side just mentioned, then you can easily do that. Um, use bulls from same population. Saya and Peter have given us their best advice on how you can use inbreeding in positive ways in your dairy herd and to ensure a healthy cattle breeding strategy in general. Now let's take a peek into the future at some of the technologies and trends that might help you as a farmer. Peter, what role will health and breeding strategies play in the future? It will play a very important role. It will be increasingly important to focus on health and breeding strategies because the future goal will be sustainability and profitability. So to to balance that and uh, to... um, to achieve the goals not only of the farmers but also of uh, us breeding the bulls, then you need to have this in mind um, so that uh, you always focus on what relates to good economics, good sustainability and a good life as a farmer. What other genetic solutions are there on the horizon that can help farmers around the world? Well, Currently, we control inbreeding based on the pedigree data, and uh, we are also doing genomic uh, breeding choices, and uh, we have lots of genomic information, but we are not really looking into the genomic inbreeding. And 
that is that can be highly different uh, than what we see from the pedigrees because as i mentioned the pedigree inbreeding coefficient is a probability about if these two alleles are homozygous in one lo locus and uh, with genomic information we can actually know if it is uh, homozygous or not and there is a difference because the probability calculation based on the pedigree it always thinks that well the siblings has 25% relatedness to each other, but uh, we know based on genomic information that they can have uh, highly different relationships with each other because it can vary, vary from 20% to 70% even. So with the genomic information gives us more tools about uh, controlling uh, this inbreeding and actually seeing which are more related from these siblings or uh, cousins uh, with each other. And that's what your PhD project is about. Yes, uh, I'm working uh, to solve this problem about how we can manage uh, inbreeding depression and inbreeding in our dairy cattle in the Nordic countries. What are the main issues that you're working with? Well, the main issue for first is to find a correct way to calculate the genomic inbreeding because there is lots of ways to do it and uh, we want to have what is the most efficient way to do it because it's easy to do some uh, calculation on a yearly basis because some of them might take a very long time because we currently we have lots of genomic information from our dairy cattle so these uh, relationship matrices can be quite huge and we want to have a fast way when we can do it in almost in uh, not with, with less as possible delay so basically it will for the future give us the tool to to actually know not only the probability but but the actual inbreeding uh, on a on a genomic level yes at least yeah. the best estimate what we could uh, build from the information what we have so what other things are important for dairy and beef farmers to be aware of for the future, Peter? Well, first of all, it's very, very important that you identify the genetics and the strategy that fulfills your goals and takes into consideration the conditions that you are working under as a dairy farmer. And then set goals for sustainability, animal welfare, climate impact, profitability and a good life in, in the end. Uh, that's very, very important to identify, uh, identify those things. All right. So to summarize, I'd like if you could give your best advice on managing inbreeding on a herd level. Saya, what, what would be your best advice to farmers? Well, to use the mating tools what you have available and uh, all the experts' uh, advices because we have the breeding advisors uh, in different countries and our salespeople know quite a lot on these things, so use their help. And especially this uh, WICMATE tool is really good and nifty for the uh, estimating which will be the best matings for your herd. Peter, what what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I agree with Saya. Um, focus on uh, making use of the management tools that's available, the um, mating programs that uh, we offer like WICMATE and others uh, that are available uh, so that you avoid inbreeding and negative effects of it and then to maintain the genetic diversity. Maintaining genetic diversity, we see that as um, one of our uh, most important uh, responsibilities. Maintaining genetic diversity is a responsibility of the breeding companies and we take that very seriously. Yes, to add that, we, we want to have a long-term genetic progress and not focus on the short-term benefits.
Thanks for joining the Breedcast today. Together with Peter and Saya, we've looked at the challenges within breeding in dairy herds and how you can manage it well. If you'd like to learn more, please visit vikinggenetics.com. Thank you, Peter Larson and Saya Tenhunen for sharing your knowledge and insights with us. Thank you to everyone out there for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you have an idea for a topic in cattle breeding that you'd like us to focus on, please visit breedcast.com or send us a message on the Viking Genetics Facebook page. My name is Hilke Viesma. Please join me for the next episode of the Breedcast about dehorning of dairy cattle and how you can use pole genetics. <laughs>